when people think Lansing art, what pops into their mind, and I think that's being defined right now. And that's very unique, because most of your traditional art cities are already established. Like, if you go to New York, and you're part of the art scene there, you're still part of the ever-evolving and historic New York City art scene. Lansing, it's completely fresh. In a sports analogy, Lansing's an expansion team. Welcome to the Juxtaposed Journeys Podcast, and happy National Wine and Cheese Day if you're tuning in from the U.S. I'm your host, Eric Spitz, and in this episode I chat with Mike Marriott. Mike is the founder, owner, and director of Opportunity Arts, which is a company that provides administrative and promotional needs for individual artists and understaffed arts organizations. After spending its first three and a half years in the greater New York City area, Opportunity Arts is now headquartered in Lansing, Michigan and has remained there for the past five years. With nearly two decades of experience in arts administration, management, marketing, and public relations, Mike's clients have been featured in publications such as the New York Times, Dance Magazine, The Village Voice, and The New Yorker. After finding a love for arts administration while going to college on a dance scholarship, Mike has since found something truly special in the creative people in Lansing, Michigan. Our conversation ranges from Mike's long-term vision with Opportunity Arts to comparisons between the arts and sports, the potential future of Lansing, and ultimately what makes the Great Lakes State such a special place. Being born and raised in the Lansing area, I always love talking with other individuals who aren't native to Michigan about what makes the state such a unique place to live. I also want to give a quick shout out to Sarah Spohn, who got me connected with Mike to begin with, who also has very heavy ties to the Lansing area. Be sure to check out the resources in the show notes to stay updated with Opportunity Arts and all the exciting things happening in Lansing. With all that in mind, just sit back, relax, and get ready for Mike Marriott's journey with Opportunity Arts. All right, Mike, welcome to the Juxtaposed Journeys podcast. And first of all, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down and chat with me. Oh, you bet. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. As am I. So we are here to talk all about Opportunity Arts, which is a company that provides administrative and promotional needs for individual artists and understaffed arts organizations. Now, what first inspired you to start this company to begin with? So I was a tap dancer growing up and went to college on a dance scholarship. In college, I discovered arts administration and uh, switched over to start to do that. The thing I liked about arts administration compared to the performing was it had competitive measurables and I love to compete. So it was, did you get the grant? Did you sell out the show? Did your client get booked for a gig over another artist? So that's kind of how we set that up. And then it was originally Startup and Dance in New York. We worked mostly with dance. And then when we moved to Michigan in 2017, we turned the focus into uh, performing and visual art. So now we have fire spinners and visual artists and uh, everything else. I've been called Mid-Michigan's P.T. Barnum. So (laughs) I'll take it. So. <laughs> no, exactly. No, I love that so much. And yeah, from what I was gathering with Opportunity Arts in general is that you essentially act as a liaison between the artists and their audience, fans, sponsors, donors, press and presenters. And I was scrolling through your affiliate page on the Opportunity Arts website yesterday. And yeah, I mean, to your point, the company represents individuals who specialize in painting, dance, poetry, fine jewelry, photography, like a very eclectic mix of 
creative endeavors, really. So given the range of creative individuals your company represents, how does the process work for, I guess, filling their promotional needs? Do you do one-on-one sessions with the individual to determine their needs? Or is there a certain place you always start with each creator? I guess, how does that work? It all varies. We have a thing called affiliation. It's basically 60 bucks for the year and people can become a part of Opportunity Arts. It's just like a membership that you would have in an arts council or something like that. Um, but how, a lot of times how we work with the artist is because there's so many different needs that they have, we try to customize it to what they're looking for. Some of the blanket stuff is like press and publicity, social media management, contract negotiations. Those are the big three that we go to. I mean, we have other services that we you know, provide as well. Those are the big three that we go to because I feel the artists need those the most. And that's kind of what we've seen from working with different artists, what they need. I, I always say, you know, if you look at the nonprofit model for art, you know, you have a board of directors and an executive director and a development director and a marketing director and a this director and a that director. And they all get salaries and then they stipend the artists. And without the artist, there is no art. So what we decided to do was go a for-profit model where the artist is at the top, they have their creative endeavors, and then they hire us quote, stipend us to do the administration, the promotion as they need it. Because if you're Mm -hmm. a dance company and you're doing three shows a year, you know, there's going to be a lull where you don't need that full-time marketing person. So we kind of designed it to fit like that and to fit as the artist needs it and to be there, but to be that wing for them, similar how a sports agent works with an athlete. Yeah, definitely. No, and I love that model so much because, yeah, to your point, the, the norm within the, the industry really is just kind of backwards, in my opinion. And I, and I love the model that you have to allow the creator to do what they do best and create and, and kind of focus on that and then just kind of, you know, hire the helping hands, I guess, as needed or as additional support for what, what they're or for what needs they need fulfilled and whatnot. So right. no, I, I love what you're doing with that. Yeah, so for instance, we had uh, just recently uh, the Sear Street Art Collective, who's an affiliate of ours. They were part of the uh, Capital City Creatives Crawl, mm-hmm. and they hired us to do the press and promotion for that event specifically. And so that's a thing where it's like, hey, we just need you to do this one thing right now for this event. Sure, no problem. Boom, and then we're on to the next. We've also worked with artists Morgan Madden and Sarah Renee Sanders, who just put an entire festival on called Rooted Reverence in Mason, Michigan. And mm-hmm. we did the social media management and executive consulting behind the scenes for that event as well. So that kind of shows you the range of it can be a one-off thing or it can be we can help you plan an entire festival. So, gotcha. yeah. Yeah, no, that's really cool that you have some flexibility in there and some range, really, depending on what the, the creator's looking to get out of it. So, no, I think that's definitely important. And you briefly mentioned it a little bit before, too, about how you spent some time in New York. So I guess what makes Lansing a special place to reside and promote different artists? And how does your experience in Lansing compare to the time you spent in New York? There's obviously similarities and differences. Um, mm-hmm. I think one, I think Lansing's biggest advantage that it has, if you're an artist and you're looking for a place to live, I think Lansing has an advantage in the sense that it's geographically perfect. Mm-hmm. You can get everywhere else in the state. So a lot of artists, a lot of performers, they're gigging. Well, if you live in Lansing, you can get to Traverse City quickly. You can get to Detroit mm-hmm. in a few hours. You can get to Chicago in a few hours. But the cost of living within Lansing is a lot lower. And so mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a nice thing as well. I also think, too, Lansing doesn't have a arts tradition like some other places like Nashville, which is, you know, which everybody associates country music with Nashville, grunge mm-hmm. with Seattle, you know, Austin, Texas is the live music capital of the world. Mm-hmm. Lansing doesn't have that thing yet that defines them artistically. And so I think what's really cool is the artists that are here now that are creating are able to create this in their own image mm-hmm. and define what that's going to be. 
and what when people think Lansing art what pops into their mind and I think that's being defined right now and that's very unique because most of your you know traditional art cities are already established like if you go to New York and you're part of the art scene there you're still part of the ever-evolving and historic New York City art scene Lansing it's completely fresh in a sports analogy Lansing's an expansion team Mm -hmm. no definitely and and yeah I love that analogy and yeah and and I love what you brought up too about geographically where Lansing is located because yeah I couldn't agree more I mean I think about that all the time to where Lansing you can get to Detroit you know a little over an hour or so Grand Rapids in a little over an hour and just uh, you're a few hours away from Chicago and there's so many things you know within driving range of Lansing you know so many different environments and cultures and art scenes and so many different things uh, to where you can go and experience all these amazing places and Mm -hmm. you know Lansing's just kind of like essentially in the middle of it all to where it's very centrally located and you can kind of move around wherever you really want to go (laughs) yeah and I think locally too with the Lansing art scene I think there's a couple of things that you know now being here almost five years Mm -hmm. that I see as a difference and I think there's certain things that we've as a community fixed that we can kind of change our focus a little bit because I feel the barrier to entry in art locally doesn't exist anymore because we have places like reach studio art center we have places like the fledge where you can go in there and you can be like i want to paint and they're going to give you the things you need to do that and you can then go as far as you want but i Mm -hmm. think now with lansing you know you're seeing there's that old saying the cream rises to the top you're Mm -hmm. seeing a lot of local artists now that this is their career and this is what they're looking to pursue and so i think now the focus hopefully will be that you know we're going to build an artistic infrastructure for those artists Oh, definitely. Now, out of curiosity, I guess, what do you see foresee for the future in Lansing in regards to the art scene? Do you foresee it as more of a melting pot because the barriers to entry are essentially non-existent? Or do you see it kind of more like a specialized scene, like we were talking about before with, you know, the grunge scene in Seattle or live music in, in Austin or things of that nature? I think it depends. And mm-hmm. I think it depends on businesses and the community and the municipality, the decisions they make. And I think we're at a crossroads right now. Mm-hmm. And I'll just use an example of two cities. You know, Austin, Texas is a state capital that is, you know, they have to hear about the two bigger cities in their state, mm-hmm. Dallas and Houston. And, you know, here in Michigan, Lansing has to hear about Grand Rapids and Detroit, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I think there's a lot of similarities with Austin that I think I think they set a very good blueprint for what Lansing could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, seeing 250,000 people in the, in the city of Lansing, you know, in the next 15 years is not beyond the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. But I also think, you know, there's there's that option. There's the, you know, Lansing could go that way. Or I, I'm from Peoria, Illinois, originally. Mm-hmm. And I remember years and years ago, there was a big debate on, well, should we let the riverboat casino be in land in uh, Peoria or go across the river? And a bunch of people in Peoria didn't want the riverboat and it went across the river. And that, when it went across the river, it drove the economy across the river. And Peoria mm-hmm. now is a city that's shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And Mm -hmm. so I think you look at those two options if you're Lansing and you go, which one do we want to be? But there's going to be work to go in because I think obviously we're all in agreement we want to be Austin in this in this analogy. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of work that's going to be needing to get done to get there. And I think the work's just starting from that aspect. Oh, definitely. And and yeah, I agree completely with what you're saying. I mean, it all depends on, you know, all the the working parts and the the people at play in this and um, the legislation and everything that goes into effect. And, you know, hopefully when they come 
to a decision in the crosswords they make the right decision to uh <laughs> bring yeah. bring more of an art scene here and i love that comparison you did with texas as well because that's something i never really thought much about but you know you're completely right with that i mean you know grand rapids pretty much established themselves as a as a massive like brewery and craft beer scene like city and mm-hmm. you know they're primarily known for that but i mean a completely different vibe in detroit and then with Lansing as well, but they're all weirdly competing with each other just in different ways, depending on on what you're looking at, but they're all identifiable, recognizable cities in their own regards. But no, that's a great parallel you drew. Thanks. <laughs> now, I was actually just reading in, in City Pulse last night about the, I don't know if you've, you've read about this or anything, about the Performing Arts Center that's in the works for being built right downtown. Yes, the Ovation. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, what's what are your thoughts on that whole project and, and I guess everything to come after that? I think I think the ovation is great. I think it's something that is desperately needed. Mm-hmm. I also think that the people that are managing it and programming it do not sleep on our local talent. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's great. Like you know, I love things like you know we have the festivals that come in and they bring in acts from out of town, and that's all wonderful. But we have a groundswell of talent here that. You know, I think as long as they're able to use that facility, we don't want to price our local artists out of being able to use that facility. I know also the one thing I was excited about, too, was with the ovation, the um, the artists uh, live workspaces that they're planning on putting in in the uh, upper levels. Mm-hmm. So basically, it'd be 40 live workspaces for artists basically on the upper floors. And I know that as as of the date of we're recording this, I know that the ovation would need another $10 million to make that next level happen. Mm-hmm. But I think that's ridiculously important because one, you would have spaces that if you bring in like a touring company, like a small touring dance company from New York, you can literally have them stay on site. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, they don't have to, the, the hotel costs, those things. I think another thing that would be really cool to do with the ovation is a capital city art exchange. So mm-hmm. we send an artist down to Austin, Texas. They send an artist up to us, and that artist is in residence at the Ovation for two or three weeks. And then that artist comes, leaves. Our artist comes back to Lansing, and then we send a different artist to Nashville, and they send us an artist. And then we do the same thing with Boston and basically do it with all of the state capitals and do a capital city art exchange. I think that would be kind of cool. That, that's if they were like, here are my Keys to the Kingdom program stuff, <laughs> which I don't think they're doing. But um, <laughs> that's kind of, you know, if anybody can hear this that does make those decisions. And, I, and two, with that, I want to shout out one person on that yeah. ovation, and that's uh, Dominic Cochran. Mm-hmm. Um, Dominic Cochran works, uh, he's, um, I believe the executive director of the Capital City Film Festival. He's run the Lansing Public Media Center for years. And I want to be very clear about the fact that this whole thing, the Performing Arts Center, the Ovation, none of this would be happening without Dominic Cochran. He's a very humble guy. He, he is not going to toot his own horn, so I will toot it for him. But <laughs> anyone who sees him, if you love and you see the Ovation and what it's going to become, Thank Dominic Cochran because he is the driving force and the lightning rod for making this happen. Yeah, perfect. No, that's an awesome plug too because that's actually something I didn't know either. And and yeah, when I was reading that story, I, kind of what I was gathering is that it would kind of serve as a mid-sized concert venue, potentially be the replacement for the Capital City Film Festival and just kind of like, you know, absorb a lot of these different creative, I guess, you know, festivals and outlets and, and what have you. And no, I think that is really important to the city. And I love your idea too about doing a Capital City Exchange as well because it, kind of the trickle effect, at least from what I'm gathering of that, is that it kind of opens the eyes 
because of other people who are coming in and be like, you know what, Lansing is pretty cool. Like you get someone from Boston in there, maybe they'll go back and say, hey, you know, cool stuff's happening in Lansing. And then, you know, get some recognition out there from people who may not have thought to travel here, you know, to begin with. <laughs> exactly. And then it also, you know, you send somebody, we have uh, Will Pruitt on our roster. Mm-hmm. You send somebody like that, that, you know, or somebody like an Alley Spins who's a serial spinner. You send somebody like that to one of those cities. They now, that's again, that's going to be that when they think Lansing art, that's what's going to pop into their head. And so um, for the artists that are young and hungry and want to travel and do that kind of stuff, I mean, it's a great opportunity. I also think, though, that businesses locally, especially the largest ones in our community, realizing what an arts audience can bring to them. Beer and sports figured it out a long time ago that that was a match made in heaven. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's the thing, too, with companies, you know, our bigger companies locally like Big B, like... You know, I'm not going to put any other, you know, any companies on blast or anything, but Mm -hmm. understanding that, yeah, you can put money into having a billboard up about your stuff or you can dump money into this performing arts center and then people are going to come there and they're going to drink your coffee. They're going to drink your beer. They're going to buy your food. They're going to, you know, and it's going to be an economic driver. I don't think a lot of people in the arts say that the arts complement the economic growth. I think the arts are the driver for the economic growth. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think Austin, Texas, again, proved that. It's the live music capital of the world. It's the fastest growing city in the United States. And from 1970 till now, they've gone from 260,000 people to 950,000 people. Mm-hmm. That, that their arts, and they will tell you, they have 11 people that are hired by the city of Austin, Texas to oversee art and culture. They have invested financially in the future of their city. And I'm hoping that Lansing and the, the municipalities in the region are excited to do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I would, I would absolutely love for Lansing to become more like Austin, Texas. And it's admittedly one of the few major cities that I haven't been to. I, I've been, I actually just went to Texas back in February, mainly in the Fort Worth area and didn't really venture much outside there, but I've been dying to go to Austin, Texas for years. Cause I just hear so many good things about it. I mean, to your point with the live music, but then also just, you know, the food scene, I hear there's just an abundance of food trucks there. And it's, it's very comparable to what like Portland, Oregon used to be. And yeah, Yeah, and that that really gets my curiosity, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's really exciting. Another cool fact, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, the Capitol Building in D.C., the Capitol Building in Austin, and the Capitol Building in Lansing were all designed by the same architect. That architect is Elijah E. Myers, in case you were curious. And he's the only architect to design the Capitol Buildings of three U.S. states, Michigan, Texas, and Colorado. I haven't had a chance to experience the Texas and Colorado state capitals. But the craftsmanship and attention to detail within the Michigan State Capitol is truly breathtaking and worth experiencing in person. Anyway, back to Mike and I's conversation. Oh, interesting. Yep. And so when you look, yeah, that's, um, so yeah, if you ever get a chance to go down there and visit. Again, we can talk about more similarities. Mm -hmm. The University of Texas is right there. We have Michigan State right here. Like there's, politically, Austin and Lansing are big blue dots in a sea of red. Like, Mm -hmm. there's so many, (laughs) like, you just look and you go, that's what I'm just saying. I'm like, we don't really have, everybody's like, let's do best practices. I'm like, Austin best practiced for us. Mm -hmm. It's, that's, that's the path. But, um, yeah, I just, you know, and like you said, there's that people know Austin is cool. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, there's that whole saying, keep Austin weird. Yep. You know, and and I love, that's the one thing, that's the one, uh, sorry, I'm going off on a side tangent. <laughs> no, you're totally fine. <laughs> 
That's the one thing I like compared Lansing to New York City is mm-hmm. you can be whatever the heck you want in Lansing. Like you can dress how you want, you can carry yourself how you want, you can just go out and do. And nobody in Lansing is going to judge you for that. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's the same thing in New York. You can see a guy walking around with a cat sitting on his head, you know, playing a tambourine, and New Yorkers are just like, oh, it's New York. nothing weird they're just just going about their day you know and i feel that lansing has a little bit of that too like oh fire spinners cool so anyway i was at the (laughs) you know like (laughs) exactly no yeah i i agree completely i think i think there's a lot of that vibe in lansing overall it's really been getting a lot more i guess diverse inclusive over the years and um it just honestly just a big melting pot of so many different eclectic creative talented people and yeah so that that makes the work that you do all the more important of just uh you know putting them out there and just and making sure people know who they are and um recognize them and everything for all the amazing stuff that they do <laughs> yeah so uh, and and that's the thing now too like we had said too about earlier with the artists and I, and now 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 we run into the part of the growth where, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, you have certain artists that, you know, the cream rises to the top and they're doing at this certain level. Well, they're also now expecting to be compensated at mm-hmm. a certain level. And so, you know, I think that's something, too, for Lansing to start to recognize that, you know, the artists that are here, like there are artists that are amateur artists and there are youth artists and student artists. To me, there's three categories of artists. There's a hobbyist. They don't do it. That's not a business for them. They make art for themselves. You know what I mean? Like, just to fulfill their soul. Then you have mm-hmm. professional artists who might have a full-time gig, but they make art, and then they can sell art for a good price, and they're they're really good, at, but it's never going to be their main gig. Mm-hmm. And then you have this third category, which I call career artists. And these are artists where art is going to pay their mortgage, art is going to feed their family, art is going to send their kids to school, art pays for their medical supplies. Mm-hmm. And it's this is their job. You know, and that is their mindset is to do this as a for a living. And I think it's important from a value standpoint that Lansing values the career artists that we have here mm-hmm. and co- and make sure that you they that an infrastructure again, that an infrastructure is in place to compensate those artists for their time and talent. Because if we don't keep them here, we're only going to create artists that then leave and go somewhere else and go to New York or go to Chicago or go to L.A., mm-hmm. et cetera, the traditional what's been happening for decades and decades. Mm-hmm. We want we have to build an infrastructure here if we're going to keep them here or it's going to be like baseball. Lansing's going to be the Oakland Athletics and it's just a matter of time before the Yankees swoop in and buy everybody. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> also, diehard Yankee fan right here. So, so if, <laughs> if you want to kick me off the podcast now for that, I get it. But. Oh, that's fantastic. I also Go. root for the, the Lions and people are like, the Lions and the Yankees? I'm like, yeah, man, balance. Balance, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, speaking of – I love all these sports analogies, by the way, because I'm a big uh, sports nerd myself. And, nice. Um, my dad was football coach, so that's why you're nice. getting all the – yeah, that's why you're getting all the sports analogies. Yeah, and, and honestly, when you um, when you started talking about metrics and everything right in the beginning, that's the first thing I thought of as well, and probably the reason why I'm so addicted to fantasy sports, like in particular, like fantasy football and honestly pretty much any fantasy sport. I mean, the, <laughs> like I'll, I'll try anything essentially, and I just get caught up in the stats as weird as that is I'm, i it's it's hard to explain but oh you're preaching to the choir right now i always <laughs> tell people it's like i one of my favorite things is that fantasy football it's it what is it they're uh fantasy football it's dungeons and dragons for jocks yeah and it's <laughs> but like but that's the thing is you look at i mean the nfl like you look at what they're able to do you know 
if you took, jumped in a time machine and went back to the early 1960s and you told them that these athletes were going to sign these million dollar contracts and there'd be stadiums and all this other stuff, like mm-hmm. everyone would look at you like you're crazy. Well, <laughs> the arts are right there now. And again, like, and like I said, when the arts and small business work together the way that sports and big business does, you're mm-hmm. going to see greater revenues for both. You know, you look at that um, event, that Root of Reverence that they did down in Mason, that mm-hmm. drives so much, that they increased the population of Mason by 10% that day. Yeah. Right? Like, they, <laughs> there are businesses that are like, I, we saw a 47% uptick in business. It's like, these are the numbers that art needs to be throwing out there. And then what I realized is, wait a minute, none of the artists want to throw these numbers out there. Okay, we'll accumulate them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if I didn't derail you because I'm no, here for no. All the you're totally analogies. fine. I, I love all those different parallels you're drawing because I do think there is a there's definitely a strong parallel you can draw between sports and the art community, and they can both be forces to be reckoned with to to get you know like some I guess traction and and some attention to a city or you know like you could have an event or what have you. But no, there are a lot of parallels you can draw with that. And I'm really glad you brought that up. <laughs> Thanks. Well, and I look at the Super Bowl, and I've told people before the Super Bowl is an art show with a football game in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd agree with that. They opened They opened with a poet and a band and then had a band during halftime. It's mm-hmm. an art show. It's yeah. a spectacle. It's the pomp and circumstance spectacle. You know, the first Super Bowl had like high school marching bands at it. Now, that you would never see that now. Yeah. Like, so, <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's, oh, that's so true though. And I, I kind of wish more people would realize that like how closely those two fields are really related and kind of interconnected with one another. I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm noticing those parallels too when like we negotiate for artists on stuff like, you know, well, we want them to perform tonight. And it's like, okay, well, great. Well, here's their, here's their rate to perform. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, what if we did this? And that's okay. Well, that, that's their rate to perform. But now if you throw in, you know, X percent of the door plus X percent of drinks and like that's mm-hmm. your, and then so there's literally, I've been in art negotiations that feel like it's a sports negotiation. <laughs> like it's a, well, he's going to sign for five years and blah, it's the same type. Yeah. So yeah, you're exactly right. There's so many there's so many parallels and I just think because art and sports normally don't play together a lot, mm-hmm. they don't see those. And so I guess it, it took a tap dancer who played football to <laughs> <laughs> Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, just speaking of my own background and everything, too, like in addition to just fantasy sports that I get obsessed with, with the stats and everything, and purely from a spectating perspective of, you know, watching football or basketball or what have you, you know, I'm a, I was a cross country and track runner growing up and I I did that in college. And then it's still something I do, I guess, in in terms of how you break down different artists, I I guess I'd define myself as more of a hobbyist now with it when I may have been a little bit more closer to professional level before when I was just, you know, eat, sleep and breathe running every day type thing and and i was in much better shape then putting down some much more impressive times but now i just kind of do it you know on my own terms and everything too but i'm also very you know interested and invested in just the music scene the art scene and all those other aspects and there are a lot of parallels you can draw between the two and i don't i don't know if many people like make that comparison you know most of the time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think people are starting to see that now, and that's that's the thing too. Like when we approach businesses and stuff, mm-hmm. I always t- tell businesses, like, man, the arts have an audience, and it is a loyal audience, and mm-hmm. that will drive. You know, like, I mean, even locally, a company like Eagle Monk Pub and Brewery, they yeah. have art. They have a featured artist every month, and they have an art, and they have a meet the artist show every month, and mm-hmm. you know that 
they drive tra that drives traffic into that they do they don't they do they don't just do it i mean sonia's amazing and yes she does it out of the kindness of her heart but it's not mm -hmm. just the kindness of her heart it's hey i want you to come in and celebrate this artist and hang out and spend money and drink beer and order pizza and mm -hmm. you know contribute to the infrastructure yeah oh definitely now, I guess uh, shifting the focus back to Opportunity Arts in particular, uh, what, uh, what would you say has been the biggest challenge or the most eye-opening experience you've had since starting Opportunity Arts? Oh, wow. That's a good <laughs> question. <laughs> Navigating the pandemic was fun. Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to say that'd be a big one. <laughs> I mean, that was, well, and, and, but honestly, though, like, I don't say that facetiously. Like, it yeah. actually was fun for me because it was one of those things where it was like, what are we going to do? You know, because everything, so pandemic hits, suddenly there's no live events. I have visual yeah. artists going, what do we do? And I go, you're all Bob Ross now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you you need to figure out how to be captivating on screen like yesterday. Yep. You know, and so we, you know, you notice a lot of the artists that we work with too, you can put a microphone in front of them. You can put, you know, you can interview them. I joke that they cut wrestling promos mm -hmm. at this point. <laughs> Another wrestling, a performing art. Let me be very clear about that. It's theater in the round. It's choreography and it's storytelling. Mm -hmm. Love pro wrestling. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I steal a lot from sports and pro, pro wrestling. But yeah, that mm -hmm. navigating that, I think one that was fun is we, we ended up, we, we came up with a concept for the first Carnival of the Creatives that was in Lansing in 2020. Mm -hmm. And it was literally, it wasn't like, we, we did a drive-through show in a parking ramp, right? Mm -hmm. It was one of those things where it was like, it, it wasn't, oh, we should, we, look at this parking ramp. Let's activate this space and make it artsy. My thought was, it's <laughs> October and it's cold and we can't be inside. Technically, a parking ramp's not inside. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, exactly. And so that was the, like, hey, here's another thing that we can charge tickets for. People can be safe in their cars. The artists can get compensated. The organization's putting it on. We made good money on that one doing the promotion for it. You know, and mm -hmm. I think we had 150 cars that first year because it was, it was an event designed, literally designed for the pandemic. Yeah. So, and I think that's the cool thing about creatives and just artists in general. The pandemic was interesting because to, I feel to a lot of artists, it was just another speed bump. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, hey, suddenly change is being thrown in our direction. <laughs> yeah. We're going to adapt. But we're creatives and artists. We're used to change being thrown at us all the time. So mm -hmm. we'll adapt. So, yeah, that was probably that one. And then, yeah, that's that was probably the one thing as far as, like, with Opportunity Arts, like, struggles and, and running into stuff. Just that kind of thing. Yeah. Being able sure. to float and change and adapt. Definitely. And yeah, I think I saw some pictures of Carnival of the Creatives on, on the website or something. I thought it looked like a really cool event. But yeah, no, uh, I love what you brought up there, too, about just, you know, with the pandemic in particular and how that kind of forced, you know, creatives and businesses and what have you to really adapt. The ones who were able to successfully adapt, I mean, were thriving, essentially, and figuring out how to work their way around the parameters in this new world that we were living in. And I mean, I've said this multiple times on here, but this podcast was a result of the pandemic. I feel like spending all that time inside, I got back to my creative roots that I kind of neglected over the years because I was just out doing other things or life got in the way or what have you. But I started writing more and then I missed interpersonal communication and, and kind of the talks I would get from traveling and just meeting new people. So that's when my attention kind of shifted towards turning my blog into a, primarily a podcast. And that's, you know. <laughs> it's it's a path I never really thought I'd be on. Uh, but then again, you asked me 
you know, where I thought we'd be now, if you would ask me a few years ago, I would have never predicted any of this to happen. So, Oh no, (laughs) no. And I feel from, from the art, from an industrial standpoint in the arts, the pandemic launched art forward by about a decade at least Mm -hmm. because art wasn't using like, like the idea of, Oh, we'll have an artist just zoom in from New York to be a part of a show. Mm-hmm. Like people weren't doing that. Like the the pandemic made people think in a creative way. What do we do now? And you know, again, I think there's like like I said from an industrial standpoint, I think the arts are actually better now in a better business position than they were before the pandemic. Because also another thing we discovered in the pandemic is society played its hand, and society let every artist know how desperately we appreciate and want art and entertainment in our lives mm-hmm. because we missed it. And so a lot of times now, and that's what I was saying too about like career artists and artists that, you know, demand a certain rate, like the artists discovered how valuable they were. Mm-hmm. And so now you see artists that are saying, Hey, I, I can't, I can't be a part of this event for less than X percent of compensation because I know what my value is now. I know what I bring to the table. I know what people will, people, I, I will bring audience. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of see too, like there's a catch 22 of yes, the pandemic was great and made all the arts exciting, but now we're all going to have to pay for like actually pay the artists and we, <laughs> we can't use exposure to get them to do stuff anymore. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. And so that's kind of, I've been sitting there going, you know, for me, somebody who negotiates, I'm like excited. Cause I'm like, Oh, we have all the bargaining power now. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and it's, oh, yeah. it's the same thing in sports. If you're one of the top players, you're going to be able to demand a top salary. And it's the same thing mm-hmm. in art. So, Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree completely. And, yeah, no, I think you brought up a, a lot of really good points, too, in terms of just pushing us forward, you know, as a society with the art community and everything with the pandemic. I mean, it forced people to think creatively. Like, I've, I saw a bunch of musicians who you know obviously couldn't perform at live events or what have you to where they do live streaming or something like that and that became more popular and then you know companies had to have people work from home you know they were kind of forced into that but then a lot of those companies kind of stuck with that and now either offer the option to fully work remotely from home or have a hybrid schedule like it's kind of become become like here to stay essentially at least for the time being so it's really kind of shaken things up i think yeah, and it's that, and again, it's that, are the, are people able to adapt and are, are cities and municipalities able to adapt? Mm-hmm. You know, you look at Lansing um, and the, the, you know, earlier when I was talking about Austin and Peoria, yep. you know, Peoria Peoria's entire economy was based off of Caterpillar tractors because that's mm-hmm. where Caterpillar's world headquarters were. Yep. Well, Caterpillar moved to Chicago and Peoria didn't have an answer for that. And now you look at Lansing and you look at the state workers, like the idea that we're going to pay a staff to come down to the capital from Escanaba, like that's not what, why we can zoom in. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so that's kind of a thing, too, where I think Lansing has to kind of reinvent itself. And especially it's downtown and those kind of things of, OK, you're not a, you're not a D.C. downtown anymore. You're a New York downtown. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be art and entertainment. It's going to be those kind of things that get people to come and, and see those things. And, in, you know, engage in the community. And so I think that's another thing, too, like like you had said, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of innovation that came out of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. And it honestly, like, warms my heart to because I do quite a bit of traveling around the U.S. And there are different parts that, like, I really like in different parts of the country or something. And it's like, man, I really wish we had more of that here and some or something like that. And then slowly those things are actually starting to become more of a thing. And, you know, they're 
starting to come to fruition and whatnot. Like I remember for the longest time, you know, I loved going out to Portland and, and going and experiencing all the different food trucks before that was like as prevalent as it is. But now, you know, food trucks are much more normal around Lansing. It's really exciting to see. <laughs> yeah. Well, and again, that's another creative industry, like those, yeah. the culinary arts. Mm-hmm. And we have the Michigan History Center here in Lansing. Mm-hmm. And the one thing with, I wanted to, I went there like the first, when we first moved from New York, cause it's, you know, study where you're at, you know what I mean? Yeah. And one thing that I noticed is Michigan has always had an industry that drives it. Mm-hmm. So it started with fur trade, yep. then it became lumber, then it became uh, coal and mining. Then it, then uh, it, you know, then the 20, you got to the 20th century, it's the automobile. Mm-hmm. And here we are now almost a quarter century into the 21st century and to me it's this is the state of the arts now Mm -hmm. like it's the creatives it's the artists it's the food trucks it's those creative businesses collectively we have this large creative industry in michigan and it's like well what's going to lead michigan to the 20 what's going to be that industry that leads it and to me it's an industry of art and culture and i think that's an important distinction between a scene, a community, an industry. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I always, I'll use that word a lot with arts as an art industry, art industry. Because at the end of the day, this is a business for a mm-hmm. lot of people. And that's where we're trying to build an industry and an artistic infrastructure here in Michigan. And yeah. Yeah. So, so sorry, I sent to tail off a little bit, but it's kind of <laughs> no, like. No, you're totally fine. <laughs> creative thoughts. And then uh, yeah. squirrel. What? So. <laughs> No, you you bring up some really great points, though, and I would personally love to see, you know, Michigan thrive as more of just an, you know, it's art industry and everything just thrive a lot more within the state. And I've I've been seeing it happen over the years, and it is really, truly exciting to see. And yeah, I hope the trend continues, honestly. So now I'm sure this is a very loaded question, but what would you say is your ultimate goal in regards to Opportunity Arts? Do you see it expanding outside of the Lansing area? I guess what's your long term vision with it? So when people think of professional wrestling, they think of WWE. Mm-hmm. When people think of art and art as a business, I want them to think of Opportunity Arts mm-hmm. on, a, on a national slash global scale. That's where, you know, you look at, and, and again, we decided to go the for-profit route. But again, you look at the most successful art company in the history of Michigan was a for-profit Motown. Mm-hmm. Motown was literally a bunch of kids from the neighborhood. It was that, here's this thing of talent, but now you go to Dubai and you say Motown, they immediately, they immediately assume that would, Detroit, like, tie that to Detroit. Mm-hmm. And so for me with Opportunity Arts, I mean, my goal is that we can build a company that's big enough that, you know, we can have an impact on things and have artists sustaining a career, having artists that, you know, you find a kid in high school that's, a, you know, a savant. And they're like, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to get my degree, and I'm going to start my own art business, and that's how I'm going to make my living. I'm going to make my living doing art. And that's not a crazy thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of what we want with Opportunity Arts. I know my wife, one of the things that she is very adamant about with our company is my, my wife's uh, type 1 diabetic. Mm-hmm. And she said, I want to get to the point where we're big enough that we can eventually be able to provide artists with insurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they need it, you know? No, and definitely. that's so... I think that's for me, I, I, you know, if I, I definitely want it to be something where we're based out of Lansing, but we're operating all over the globe. And I'd like to see, you know, something, see it live past. I'd like to see it outlive me. You know, mm-hmm. there's that, that line in Hamilton where he says, I'm going to make something that's going to outlive me. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, that's kind of what I want with Opportunity Arts is to be the business 
wing for artists and to be that infrastructure. You know, if, if the municipalities don't create the infrastructure, then we can create it on our own. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. So, was that no. a loaded answer? Or... <laughs> no, no, that was great. No, I, I loved all that. And I think you have a great vision with Opportunity Arts overall and, and brought up some, some really great points, honestly. And yeah, I, I really feel like that's a very old school thought. The idea that, you know, there's you're wasting your time if you get into the arts or there's no money in it or just kind of discouraging that mindset. But I do think there are so many great avenues, you know, for any artist or creator to really just you know, pursue something that they really feel passionate about and figure out a way to, to make it sustainable, to make it work. And I, I feel like the opportunities, you know, better now than it's been in, in years. And I feel like it's only going to continue to get better and better. Yep. Because, well, and I think to this whole wave of artists that are coming up. So a lot of the artists that we work with at Opportunity Arts, the majority of our roster is 20 somethings and early 30 somethings. Mm hmm. And I and you look at the and you look at them and you know there's a lot of artists and people go and check out our affiliate page like there's a lot of artists that are on there they do not lack confidence yeah and I think that's a big difference too is in the past you had artists where it was almost like it was like stay down and and, and do it for exposure and you know we're the let the boards handle this and let the mm-hmm. executives handle all this and you guys just you guys just paint and be. And that that's not going to fly with this mm-hmm. next generation that's coming up. Like they know how talented they are. The pandemic showed them that there's a value to it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have a lot of artists that are going to be like, we're going to create amazing things for you. But, you know, we need to be respected. A great Michigan artist once said R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. <laughs> You know, I think that's going to, and I think, and here's where I say that it's not like I'm like, and everybody better do this, blah, blah, blah. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) What I'm saying is, is the municipalities and the organizations and the businesses and the regions of the country that invest in artistic infrastructure, the best artists will go there. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you're going to see like the murals where you literally have to stop and you're just staring at it and you're like, how, how did Mm -hmm. You know, that's so, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what Grand Rapids does and what Detroit does and what Lansing does and what Traverse City does. Because those four cities together are four very different economies. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be just interesting to see, you know, but if a, if a place like Lansing shows that they truly value the art, even though a place like Traverse City could outspend them, mm-hmm. if, if Traverse City doesn't re- recognize it as much. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. The municipalities that that go yes, we're gonna bi- we we are gonna build an artistic infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Those are gonna be the places that people move to. Those are gonna be the places that business thrives, and those are gonna be the places where you're gonna get to see the best art in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I mean, you gotta definitely keep your artists happy and everything, and make it an environment to where they can thrive, they can do their thing, and it just makes sense to live there. I mean, otherwise, they're just gonna find a place that makes more sense for them to do their art and just move there. I mean, the world is so you know, like it's truly so like interconnected and accessible that people can easily just, you know, get up and move somewhere else. So you got to have to make it worth their while to move there. So yeah, I agree completely. Like, you know, as long as Lansing yeah. makes, makes it to where, you know, artists want to come here, want to create here, want to stay here, then that's, that's really going to be the driving force. Yeah. And it's, I've, I've, I've talked to people too, cause I always, you know, uh, somebody asked me before, you know, do you advocate for art? And for me personally, I feel more that I advocate for artists mm-hmm. because to me, if you put an artist in a position where they can thrive, you don't need to worry about art. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you, exactly. you know, Oh, we need to make sure we have this thing for public art and blah, blah, blah. It's like, man, 
put an artist somewhere where they can make a living and they're not living hand to mouth and they mm-hmm. can actually focus on creating art and just get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just, just watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree completely. Just just go to the source and then um, you're going to be happy with the fruit that bears from it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. No, this is great. And now, do you have any currently have any upcoming events or projects in the works that you're really excited about, either you know personally or related to opportunity arts in general? We do have a lot of products in the work I, uh, and, and things that we're working on. I always tell people, if you don't see us physically doing something right now, we're scheming. <laughs> I will tell you this, October is going to be insane. Mm-hmm. October is going to be like, I'm literally looking at, I'm, I'm, prep, it, I'm prepping for October now. because i it's yeah it's it's funny too because it's like i just know what the different artists and stuff have planned and i think too one thing that i'm very excited about and i want to just continue to shout out morgan madden who's uh ode a poet local poet uh created ode to the 517 and Mm -hmm. sarah vanay sanders who a lot of people know locally she's a body painter so a lot of people know her from social media and things like that the two of them put that event on in mason by themselves Hmm. We, you know, we helped with social media and we did some, but those two went out and physically did the work. They went to the sponsors. They got sponsorships for the event. They went to the downtown development authority in Mason and got three grand from the downtown development authority. Kudos to Mason for investing in artists from their community to bring something greater to their community. Mm-hmm. Another thing that Morgan and Sarah did as part of that is they raised over $6,000 in artist compensation budget alone. For that event. So every single artist that performed on that stage was compensated at their asking rate. Oh, that's awesome. And oh, I love and, that. And it's great, but also now, again, that catch-22, because <laughs> I, I can't wait for the next organization to come to us and go, you know, we don't really have a budget for art. And I'm going to be like, so you're telling me that two artists can outdo your whole organization when it comes to finding money for art? <laughs> Exactly. And then in a related story, uh, exciting things for Opportunity Arts, and I think by the time this airs, the announcement will be out there, but we are bringing Sarah and Morgan into our front office, and they will actually be able to provide for organizations, municipalities, and other artists the services of, here's how you plan an an entire festival from concept to production. Mm-hmm. So and oh, that's awesome. and here's how you generate money for that festival. Here's how you generate money to compensate your artists. And so yeah, as soon as they pulled that off, I was like, so if you guys are open, I'd love for you to come work for Opportunity <laughs> Arts. And uh, they've been affiliates for a couple of years, and so uh, they were ready to move into that next step of the front office. So I think you know that's going to be something cool now for us because again. You know, an organization can come to us and say, hey, we want to have an event and we want to infuse art into our event. And not only can we help get them artists, we can help put their event on and we can help going af- go after money to mm-hmm. make that event successful. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And they both sound like the perfect people for that job. So now I'm really excited in terms of Opportunity Arts and, and the future, you know, with that company. That's that's really exciting. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm so excited. I'm, just, I'm I'm tempering my enthusiasm, but I yeah, getting them, I was just like I felt like I you know organized a coup. Like we got Morgan and Sarah. Like, yeah. Oh, exactly. Morgan. So, and that's the thing too is as we run into talent, you know, as Opportunity Arts grows, we want to be able to provide you know opportunities, pun intended, and you know jobs and subcontracting and all that stuff for these artists to have services they can provide. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, too, our, our artists that are on Opportunity Arts, they all share ideas with each other. 
So yeah. you've got the visual artist hanging out with the hip hop performer who also is friends with the opera singer who's friends with the fire spinner. Mm-hmm. And now they're all like, let's collaborate on something. And I'm like, opera, fire, hip hop, paint? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. No, it, it definitely sounds like there's some really exciting things in the works. And yeah, I'm looking forward to October now and seeing uh, <laughs> everything that you have in the works for that. So perfect. Now, is there anything I forgot to ask about that you wanted to touch on before we get into plugins and everything? Oh, no, I don't think so. No, it's I just, yeah, don't let me, don't give me that green light because I'll just yap for 45 minutes. <laughs> but um, no, I just, again, I just appreciate you having on. This was a fun conversation. Oh, yeah, this is such a blast. Oh, my gosh. This was a lot of fun. I feel like, and I feel like, too, we could categorize stuff. Like, you and I could just be like, sports and arts, and go. <laughs> exactly. So, I know, like... no, this was this was a blast. <laughs> yeah, I'm, thank you again for having me on. I got to shout out uh, Sarah Spone for having us. I think you shouted our, her out, too, for connecting us. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Getting on here. So For yeah, sure, pumped. yeah. This was fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Shout out to Sarah Spone for getting us connected and everything. So, yeah, no, and yeah, to your point, I I don't have many people who I can have in-depth conversations about art and sports and how they're related and how they're interconnected with one another. So it's a a very rare treat for me. So thank you for that. Awesome. Just call me whenever you want and be like, hey, it doesn't even need to be on air. You can just be like, hey, man. Oh, perfect. I'm, I'm excited for that. So awesome. Now, where can people find more information about yourself, Opportunity Arts, and anything else you want to plug then? All right, so shameless plug time. Yep. <laughs> D- uh, opportunityarts.org. That's the great place to go to see what we're capable of doing and things like that. Obviously, our website, our social media platforms, Opportunity Arts. I think that's the best way to find us. Look for the big megaphone. <laughs> and uh, and then check out what the artists are doing. I always tell people, if you go to our website, go to our affiliate page. Because it not only has a list of our affiliate, it has links to their work and stuff too. And everyone, everyone on this planet, whether they know it or not, is a fan of art. It just mm-hmm. depends on have they found the right art that they're a fan of. I worked, when I was working in New York, they had a ballet company there. And they're called Ballet Deviari. And they have dancers that are some of the best dancers in the world because it's New York and not everybody can work for New York City Ballet and ABT. Mm-hmm. But so you have Ballet de Viari with these amazing professional ballet dancers. They only dance to death metal. <laughs> Sign they me do up for that. Classical ballet to death metal. <laughs> Exa- yes, go to YouTube, death metal ballet, and enjoy the rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> so that's where when I tell people, like, no, you're a fan of art. Like, I don't really like the arts. It's like, do you like rock and roll? Greatest thing ever. Guess what you like? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's, I love my house and the interior decorating. I don't really like art. Excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's those conversations. But, uh, yeah, so that's it. OpportunityArts.org. That's the best place to find us. There's cool stuff. Check out the Aces when you're there. It's a visual art group that's uh, basically like the Rat Pack, but for visual arts. So yeah, go check that out. Check out our the artists that we work with. Be amazed. And uh, I call my uh, I call the roster of affiliates the most talented artistic roster in Michigan since Motown. And I would say that their abilities back that up. Not that's not me being blah blah blah. That's mm-hmm. go see how good they are and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah, no, those those are some great plugs as well. And yeah, I was actually scrolling around on the affiliate page and I was like happy to see some of my friends on there and everything like that. I was like, Oh, that's cool. Like, um I didn't know there were affiliates and stuff and I'd slowly working through that list and yeah, truly. Anyone in particular? Uh yeah. Uh let's see. Uh well Will Pruitt you actually mentioned earlier. I went to high school with him. <laughs> do you do you know what I call him? What's that? 
the second coming of Seeger. That's a that's a great uh yeah that's a great yeah. nickname. I told somebody I think <laughs> we were at we were at Root of Reverence and Will was about to perform and I'm like so he's gonna sound like Bob Seeger and Janis Joplin's voice had a baby. <laughs> And Will's oh, just like, perfect. thanks, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> so, cool. Yeah, oh, no, that's Will. awesome. Yeah, no, and I'll have to be digging through some of the other affiliates myself. But yeah, oh my gosh. Once again, thank you so much for taking the time for this. Like, mm-hmm. like I said before, I think the work you do is extremely important and definitely gives me hope for the future of Lansing in regards to the art community. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to look up a death metal ballet after this and go down that mm-hmm. rabbit hole. So. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you again for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, uh, podcasts like this are important because, you know, you're picking up the stuff that, you know, it gives people another platform, another avenue to share what they do. And, you mm. know, um, let me know if you ever want to have any artists on the show and I'll connect you to some of the best. Oh, so, for sure. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I will definitely be in touch for that. Always looking for different creators, different artists, especially uh, people local to Lansing, for sure. Definitely trying to do more of that. So, yeah, Mike, oh, my gosh, this was such a blast. I wish you nothing but the best in all of your future plans with Opportunity Arts. And, yeah, I hope you have a good rest of your day. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Take care. Right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking out the show. Links to the Opportunity Arts website, Facebook page, and all the resources Mike and I talk about can be found in the show notes. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review for Juxtaposed Journeys wherever you stream your podcast, and maybe tell a friend or two about the show. Any feedback is always welcome and appreciated, and it helps the show reach more listeners. It also keeps new episodes coming out. If you're an entrepreneur creator or live an interesting lifestyle take a few minutes to fill out the questionnaire i have linked below if you're a good fit i'll be sure to get in touch with you to be featured on a future episode i just ask that you have some patience as i'm pretty backed up with any of your requests at the moment so thank you to everyone who's reached out and has expressed interest in being on the show the juxtaposed journeys logo was designed by darius norwood the website was designed by elise benner and music has been provided by young pioneer Editing for this episode was done by Kai Will. Final mixing and interviews are conducted by yours truly, Eric Spitz. Thank you for listening, and remember to never stop exploring.